This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. I wish I uh, had known Jesus when I was their age. Took me a little longer, but uh, I made it. Hallelujah. I was 19. Let's see, I've been, uh, what, 19, let's see, uh, September, October, November, December. I'd probably been about four months before my 20th birthday, and I gave my heart to Jesus. That was the smartest thing I ever did in my life. Hallelujah. How many of you would agree with that? How many of you know if you don't ask Jesus in your heart, you're dumb? You know, I mean, really. Now, of course, you got to know and you have to understand why that's important. But, oh, I'm so glad. Praise God that somebody loved me in my sin. I was a pretty messed up person. I mean, probably no more messed up than anybody else. But, you know, we all have our stuff, you know. And uh, I just needed Jesus. I needed him badly. And thank God he was willing to reach down into my messed up life and change my heart and change me forever. How many are glad for that tonight? Amen. I mean, praise God, nothing else ever goes right. You can still thank God for that. Amen. All right, let's open our Bibles together tonight to John's Gospel, chapter, uh, well, I'll let you guess. What do you think? There's, you know, quite a few of them in there, 21 or so. But Now, how about John chapter 1? First chapter, John. And we're going to use this as our text this evening. Um, I'm not real sure how to, what to title this this evening. Uh, could talk about the importance of the word. word. We could talk about uh, uh, guarding yourself against the cares of this life. Maybe we'll just talk about it all. How about that? We'll just go from Genesis all the way to Revelations and cover the whole thing. Praise God. Amen. Well, anyway, let's bow our heads and uh, we'll just get into it. Father, um, I am so grateful for what it is that you've done in us as we celebrate the new birth, as we celebrate eternal life, as we celebrate being born of the Spirit of God. And not only that, but filled with the Holy Ghost, the one whom you've sent to lead, guide us into all the truth, to bring things to our remembrance you've spoken to us, to encourage us, to strengthen us, Father God, to stand beside us in the midst of adversity, test, and trial, and whatever storm that may come our way, thank God, Father, we have your spirit in our spirit. And so tonight, for just a few moments, as we look into the perfect law of liberty, I just want to thank you, Father, for utterance in the Holy Ghost. I thank you, Father, for ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to believe the word of God, and that when we leave this place, Father, we will be nourished within our innermost being and in our minds, Father, of the truth that is in your word. And I just thank you that it'll bring comfort, it will bring peace, it will bring grace, and it'll bring joy to each and every one of our hearts in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Praise God. Notice with me, if you would, please. These verses of Scripture I know are familiar to most of you, but notice the first five verses in John's Gospel. He said, first of all, that in the beginning was the Word, And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Drop down to verse 11. He, now of course you know it's talking about Jesus. Jesus was God, but he was also the word manifested in the flesh, right? So notice in verse 11 it says that Jesus, or he or the word, came unto his own, and his own did what? Received him not. They did not receive him. Now notice it goes on to say in 12, but as many as did receive him, To them gave he the power, King James used the word power. In marginal reference of my Bible, it says that he gave them the right or the privilege to become the sons of God, even to those or them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. Now notice verse 14. And the word was made flesh, And he dwelled among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, 
full of grace and full of truth. Aren't you glad tonight, praise God, that Jesus is full of grace? How many of you know we need grace? But he's also full of truth. Praise God. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Pastor Brian preached that on Sunday, did a marvelous job on that. But I'm telling you, Jesus is the truth. And not only that, but he spoke the truth. Hallelujah. And Jesus said that if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. You'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. I don't think that there's any commodity, any kind of resource, any kind of asset, any kind of however you want to describe it, that is more important in these last days than the truth. Because there are so many voices in the world saying so many kinds of things that I tell you what, a lot of folk don't know whether they're coming or going. But thank God we can always stay with the Word. God sent the Word. He sent Him manifested in the flesh in the form of Jesus, but they are one and the same. And He sent them so sent him, I should say, so that you and I could walk in the light. Hallelujah. Glory to God forevermore. But not only that, to be blessed. Because, again, there's so many things that are going on in the world, you know, that it's, it's a little bit perilous as you look around and you see the things that are going on. And if you spend too much time, you could get discouraged. But thank God we don't have to. Amen? And the key to that is to keep your eyes on the right thing. Because, you know, the Bible, you know, when, when uh, the writer of Hebrews said, seeing that we also are compassed or compassed about with such a great uh, cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily besets us. And let us run with patience the races before us, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. For consider him who endured such a contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you become wearied and want to faint in your mind. Now we're living in a world right now, if you want to, you can faint in your mind, but thank God again, you don't have to. And not only do you not have to faint, thank God you can do it with victory and you can do it with joy. And that's what God wants us to do. But again, I want to emphasize the fact that that is not going to happen if you're listening to the wrong things, if you're listening to the wrong voices, if you're not allowing the Word of God to dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Huh? Are you with me? So we have to be and maintain and always be a student of the Word of God. We have to always allow ourselves the time to meditate on the Word of God and not meditate on everything that's going on in the world. Are you with me? Hell has been unleashed. There's no question about it. We see it everywhere around us. But thank God he said, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And not only that, but he said that he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty, and we can say, thank God, that he is our refuge, and that he is our fortress, and that he is our strength. Hallelujah. And he'll sustain us. He'll keep us. He'll bless us. Hallelujah. I mean, in the midst of all kinds of adversity, I'm telling you guys, the church, the church can shine. The church can be blessed. I remember years ago, we were in, uh, well, we were um, remodeling the first building. And this would have been clear back in the 80s. And we were going to the, the hardware all the time because we had stuff we needed and supplies and stuff like that. And somehow or another, we got talking to the people that own the, the hardware. And, and uh, um, I can't remember exactly how it came about, but the conversation came up that, you know, here we are doing this stuff in the middle of a economic kind of recessionary condition or whatever the case might be. And, and the guy behind the counter commented on it. And he just said, you know, we might have said something like, well, how's business been? He said, well, ain't been, you guys are the only ones that have been coming in here. You know, I'm telling you what, God will cause you to shine. And to be blessed in the midst of adversity when nobody else is, if, if, if you trust him and you keep your eyes on him 
and not what everything and everybody is saying out there. Are you with me? Hallelujah. So the Bible again said in verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelled among us and we beheld his glory. When Jesus came into this earthborn existence, one of his purposes was to reveal or to show us our heavenly father. It's, a, it's an introduction and it's a, it's a concept that most of the people, the Jews and those to whom he was ministering to, had no, they knew him as Jehovah. They knew him as God, you know, but they didn't know him as Father. And so when he started introducing this concept to these disciples, it was a whole new thing. We don't think so much about it because we have the New Testament, we read it and so on and so forth. But, but they didn't know that, you know, show us the Father, and it'll be sufficient for us if you just show us to it, show him to us. And of course, he, he did. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. But, but so he came to reveal to us our Heavenly Father. By that, I mean his nature, his care. Aren't you glad for the Word of God? I'm telling you guys, we have the New Testament. We are the most people, most blessed people on the planet. Because we have the truth right in front of us so that we can know it and so that it can make us free. And so he came to do that so that we could, again, know his character, his nature, his will, his plan for our lives, the things that he wants to do not only in us and through us, but for us and, and with us, you know, within advancing his kingdom. You know, Philip said to him, he said, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be, it'll be sufficient. Jesus said, have I been so long a time with you? And yet has you, have you not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. Hallelujah. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? He was God manifested in the flesh. Jesus was the will of God in action. And not only that, but also in what he said. So he came to reveal the Father. Now here's something else. Jesus also came to reveal or to show us the kingdom of God. You know, so much of this was, was cloaked within a mystery, you know, thank God for the revelations that we have of the epistles of the Apostle Paul and John and Peter and different ones who wrote. But these, these men, they knew nothing of these things. And thank God again, you and I, we have the New Testament so that we can know. But he came to reveal to us the kingdom of God. And what I mean by that is its function, how it operates, how it, how it works, the principles by which the kingdom of God exists. It's a real kingdom. It currently, you know, exists even now, though you and I can't see it. Huh? You know, there was a time when Jesus said, the, the kingdom has come near to you. Well, what happened? Somebody got delivered. Somebody got set free. Somebody, you know, got saved or whatever the case might be. That is the kingdom of God. You can't necessarily see the kingdom, but you can see the results. You're a part of that. You know? So the kingdom is now, the kingdom is here. And there is a heavenly kingdom that is at work, both in heaven and on earth. Though you may not, again, see it physically, God is at work even today fulfilling his heavenly purpose. So it is without exception and all superior and all powerful. I mean, it is all powerful to anything that you and I could even know or imagine where this world is concerned. We see all of these, you know, different entities and, and, and principalities and powers that are work in the earth, you know, vine jockeying for position, for control, for power. None of them even hold a candle to his kingdom. And in one moment, by his breath, he can drop the whole thing right in the ocean and it'll be gone forever. So thank God you're in the right place and you're in the right kingdom. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. And it's important for us to both know and understand that. You know, <clears throat> when Jesus uh, on one occasion was with his disciples, you know, I don't know if they told him, you know, to ask him to teach him to pray. But he says that when you pray, say, our Father, which is art in heaven or is in heaven, hallowed, holy be your name. Now, listen to this. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is where? Where at? So he wants his will to be done on earth 
just like it's being done in heaven. And thank God you and I, again, have become the recipients of that. Hallelujah. And it's at work even now. Jesus made this statement. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. He was standing before Pilate when he made that statement. Pilate was wanting to know, are you king? I mean, who are you? I mean, what is your deal here, you know? And he said, my kingdom is not of this world. He said, if my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight? And then it goes on to explain... I should, uh, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Jesus said, well, you say that I am a king. And listen to this. And to this end was I born. In other words, the purpose for my coming to this earthborn existence was this. For this cause came I into the world that I should bear witness to, what's the next two words? The what? The what? The what? The truth. That I would bear witness to the truth. So whenever you and I read something that Jesus has said, it is the truth. When he says, I came so that you could have life and life more abundant, that is the truth. Are you with me? When he says the thief doesn't do anything but to kill, steal, and to destroy. But this is why I came. Another reason why he came is to destroy the works of the devil. And thank God he did it. When he went to that cross and he said, it is finished, hallelujah. I mean, the devil hadn't got a clue what it is that had just happened and what it was that was going to take place when he came up out of that grave. Can you say amen? amen? Hallelujah. There's nothing but victory in Christ. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So he said here, he said, I came into this world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. What does that mean? That means that you and I, we listen to the word of God and we believe it. He came into his own, but his own did not receive him. But as to as many as received him, to them gave he the power, right, and privilege to become the sons of God, even to those that believe on his name. They didn't believe him. His family didn't believe him. You know, I mean, there was all kinds. They went after him one time. They said, man, he's out of his mind. He's lost his mind. We got to go get him. We got to, you know, put him in the asylum. Do something. You know, people said, hey, your mom and brothers are out here. And he said, who is my mother and my, my brothers? You know, he said, right here, this is it. The ones that believe on me. Amen. So <clears throat> he went on. And, and here's another wonderful scripture. In uh, Romans chapter 14, uh, verse 17, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, God's kingdom is not duty, religion, law, and making everything happen because you work it. Now, that's a long, <laughs> that's a long translation of meat and drink, okay? Kingdom of heaven is not meat and drink. What is it? It's righteousness. Huh? Look at it. Righteousness. What's the next word? Peace. Peace. And what? Joy. Say it again. Joy. Joy. Joy in the Holy Ghost. That is the kingdom of God. Righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. And God is the one who brings all three of those things into our lives because, again, of being born of the Spirit of God. You can't have his peace, you can't have his righteousness, and you can't have his joy if you don't know him. But if you do, praise God, you got it. You're not going to get it, you got it. Hallelujah. You say, well, how come I don't feel very joyful? How come I don't seem to have much peace? Because you're not looking at what it is that you're supposed to be looking at. Thanks for your enthusiasm. That was a good word. Huh? We get all rot up, rotted up, knotted up, and all kinds of things because we look at the wrong stuff. But because of the new birth, we have become members of Christ's heavenly kingdom. We are in this world, but we're not of this world. The scriptures tell us that we, our citizenship is where? Where? It's in heaven. 
I know we're here, but our citizenship is there. My son-in-law's citizenship is in Norway, okay? And here, hallelujah. But I mean, before, you know, he, he gained citizenship here, his citizenship was in Norway. What's that mean? There are certain rights and privileges that he has as a Norwegian. When he goes there, he can do things that we can't do. Why? Because we have no place there. But thank God we have a place in the kingdom of heaven. Glory to God. And we are subjects of that kingdom. And he has made us priests and kings unto our God. And he has done some significant things. And we just need to realize it, know it, believe it, and act on it. Hallelujah. And enjoy the blessing of God. So, Again, we've become members of Christ's heavenly kingdom. So when it comes to jurisdiction, authorities, or control, it's that kingdom, not this world's kingdom, but that kingdom to which we ascribe or pledge our allegiance or our adherence or our adherence to. Hallelujah. I belong to him. You know, when they were incarcerating Jesus, when they were interrogating him, when they were trying to tra trap him, he would just say, my kingdom is not of this world. You have no authority over me whatsoever. You know, it's interesting because, again, when Pastor Brian was preaching that message uh, Sunday on Easter and did such a wonderful job, he was talking about Pilate. And I was thinking about that, and, and this guy had to be, I, I tried to think about what it must have been like for him, and I, I guarantee you this, this cat was between a rock and a hard spot. I mean bad, bad, bad. Because he knew that the Jews had just, you know, done this because they hated him. He wasn't guilty of anything. But they said, you, you know, if you don't do this, if you don't do this, we're going to tell, you know, Caesar about you and your insubordination. But here he is, he's talking to the, to the son of the living God. And the more he talks, the more he realizes. that. And then, like, like Pastor Brian said, his wife had that dream and said, don't, don't have anything to do with this guy. Huh? Well, after he first interrogated him this first time around, then he went out and he said, dude, there, ain't nothing, there is nothing to accuse this guy of at all. And they said, oh, yeah, he, <laughs> he professes that he's the son of God. Well, Pilate was going, dear God. Well, he probably didn't say that, but, you know, it's like, say what? And so he goes back in. And he said, who are you? And Jesus didn't say a word to him. And he said, don't you realize that I have the power to either release you or sentence you to crucifixion. And this is what Jesus said. He said, you wouldn't have any power at all if it wasn't something that had been given to you from heaven. You wouldn't have no power over me at all. Did you know that Jesus laid his life down? They didn't take his life from him. He gave his life. Huh? There was another occasion when, you know, they were doing all of this, and he said, he said there's, a, there's 12 legions. I don't know how big a legion is, but I'm thinking it's kind of big, okay? Don't you know that there are 12 legions that are at my disposal that I could call on right now and clean this whole mess up? Thank God for the supernatural, and thank God for the kingdom of heaven that you and I have the privilege of being a part of. Can you say amen? amen. So... It's important for us as we see all these things taking place in the world in which you and I are, are living in. These things are all taking place. They're coming to pass. Jesus said they would. He said in the last days, perilous times will come. And you'll see this and you'll hear about this. And all of this is the beginning of sorrows. And, you know, I mean, he's coming again. Hallelujah. And, and so as we see all of this, we need to learn. Listen, we, let us learn how to function in the kingdom and towards the kingdom of God in these last days so that you and I can shine as burning lights. Are you listening to me? Praise God. And that we don't have to be ashamed. We don't have to be worried. We don't have to be troubled about anything. Are you listening to me? Praise God. 
So let's learn how to function in it from a heavenly standpoint or heavenly kingdom. Turn with me to Mark chapter uh, 4. Mark chapter 4. How many glad you came tonight? Praise God. <clears throat> Mark chapter 4. And um, we're going to look at this uh, parable that Jesus taught. Now let me explain to you what a parable is. A parable is an earthly story that illustrates a spiritual truth or a kingdom dynamic or a spiritual principle, okay? So when Jesus used these parables, what he was doing is he was taking something that all of us, all of you, us, can relate to. We understand. And then he would liken the kingdom of God to it. So let's look here in chapter 4 and verse 1. We're going to read the first nine verses. Notice with me, if you would, please. He began again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered to him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat by the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by, again, parables. And he said to them in his doctrine, hearken, hearken. What does that mean? Listen, okay? Now, some have suggested, and I, I, I kind of tend to maybe think maybe he was, I don't know if it's true or not, but it was like he was giving a title to this, this parable. The title of this parable is Hearken. And then he tells a parable, and then at the end he says, whoever has ears to hear or hearken or listen, let him hear. Kind of wild. Say, so anyway, he says, hearken, behold, look, there went out a sower to sow, and it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowl of the air came and devoured it up. Some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away, and some fell among thorns, and thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And others fell on good ground, and it did yield fruit that sprang up and increased, and brought forth uh, some thirty, some sixty, and some an hundred. And then he said to them, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, what if you'd have been in a crowd? Okay, let's just say we're all sitting there, you know, on the seaside or standing or, or whatever, and we're listening to this, and he tells us this parable, and he says, Whoever's got ears to hear, let him hear, and then that's it. Because that's it. That's what happened. You know, and, and, and I'm sure that people were standing there going, did, did you get that? I mean, what's that mean? What does that mean? A sower sows and this happens in different kinds of soil and so on and so forth. And, and at the end, he don't give them interpretation. He just says, anybody that's got ears to hear, let him hear. You, you would have felt robbed cheated like come on man you got to tell us the rest of this deal but he didn't okay I said oh, well I don't see it in here anyway so he said uh, you know anybody's got ears to hear how would you interpret what Jesus just got done saying I don't know that we know what we would have thought right okay now we know on this side of the cross in the New Testament we know what he meant but, you know, otherwise we wouldn't have. And my point to that is to simply say that you and I have the privilege, everybody say privilege. We have the privilege of knowing exactly what Jesus meant within that parable because the rest of the chapter tells us. So everybody say, thank you, Lord. Yeah. He's opening this thing up to us so that we can, how many of you know that God wants to, he wants you to understand, right? Why is it important? Because again, it reveals truth to us. Everybody say truth. You know, regarding, again, the function and the operation of the kingdom of God that you and I are to operate within. So notice with me in verse uh, 10, he said, and when he was alone, when Jesus was alone, they that were about him with the 12 asked him of the parable because he didn't tell them out there. Okay. And then in verse 11, he says, unto you, it is given to know what's, what does it, it says the what, the what, 
the mystery or mysteries of the kingdom of God. So now Jesus is going to reveal to you and I a kingdom secret mystery or principle upon which the kingdom functions. Okay? Now bear this in mind. He came into his own, his own received him not. But those that did receive his message, his word, to them he gave the right privilege and power to become the sons of God. So if you're hard-hearted, if you're arrogant, if you're, you know, a scorner, a scoffer, if you don't, you know, you, you know, when you think you know more than God does or however you want to interpret that, you're in a bad way. But those that humble themselves under the mighty hand of God will be exalted in due time. Are you listening to me? So he said to you, it's given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Glory to God. So the mystery, listen, listen to this. The mystery that Jesus is revealing. Are you ready for this? Come back next week. No, I would never do that. The mystery that he is revealing is what happens to the truth of God's word in people's lives. He's going to show you what happens to people when it comes to the word and how they receive it or don't or what they do with it or don't. Huh? He says, this is a kingdom function. This is how it works. And I'm going to tell you. Are you with me? So you and I all want to be on the good ground. Huh? But for whatever reason, or for many reasons, you know. Here's something for you to think about. You know, if you want to know why things turn out the way they do in people's lives, it's in this parable. Why? Because this is the way the kingdom functions. Now, we want to make excuses. Huh? Or we want to excuse or blame or whatever the case might be but Jesus said there are these four types of soil where the word gets sown and the result is this because of this you, you believe that will you go with that okay it's not it's, it's not an indictment it's it's just truth so when we see things going on in people's lives another way I could say it is this you see what happens with people because of what they do or don't do with the word. Whatever value, estimate, esteem, honor, respect that they give to the word is how it is going to impact their personal lives. Are you with me? My personal life, your personal life, all of our lives. Huh? You know, so when we read about the psalmist and he talks about God's word and how it is, you know, he's, you know, put it up above everything else and that it is the thing that is exalted over all. The same thing needs to happen in our lives where it is first place. And we always say, wait a minute, what's the Bible say? Not what prophet whoever says, what does the Bible say? You know, the Bible says that there'll be those that follow false prophets and will follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the truth is evil spoken of. You get somebody on television and they get all propped up and everybody thinks they're the greatest thing since sliced cheese, but I'm telling you, if what they're saying doesn't line up with the Bible, you don't want to listen to them. And there's a lot of that going on, especially today. So, um, let's go back down here again to verse 11. He said to them, unto you is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without. Now, that's King James used the word without. Um, uh, yeah, it's the same thing there. Uh, one translation says, but unto them that are outside. Another way we could say it is unregenerate. Okay? In other words, the people that didn't receive him. Okay? So, unto you it's given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. Those that are without, all these things are done in parables. Some people would argue, say, well, that's not fair. God's not being fair. 
But he is being fair. The, the thing that's happening here is, is that people are making choices. Huh? In other words, God is, he's putting it out there and he's saying, here it is. And there's some people that are saying, I don't want it. I don't believe it and I don't like it. Why? Because it, it, it requires a jurisdiction over their lives. It requires a humility to come underneath the authority of the living word of God. Because it is all authority, you guys. The living word of God is all authority. Every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that he, Jesus, is Lord. Absolutely. So when he says this, he says all these things are done in parables, verse 12, that seeing they may see and not perceive, hearing they may hear and not understand, unless or lest that at any time they should be converted or repent, their sins should be given, uh, forgiven them. And then he said unto them, don't you know this parable? How then will you know all parables? The sower sows the what? The word. So it's interesting because when he says, don't you understand this parable? He says, if you don't know this one, how will you know any of the rest of them? So this parable is fundamental. I mean, it's foundational. And we need to understand, and, and that's really why we're unpacking it the way that we are tonight, is so that we can really truly understand how important the Word of God is to each of us within our lives. Hallelujah. So that we order our steps and our fashion after what the Word of God says. So let's go on and let's read the parable uh, in the context of his interpretation of it. Verse 14 again, he says, the sower sows the word. Now in Luke's um, rendition of this, this same parable, he said the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God, okay? And then in, in chapter or, uh, verse 15, it says, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown, but when they've heard, Satan comes immediately to take away the word that is sown in their hearts. I see that almost every Sunday when I preach. You'll have somebody, they're an unbeliever, you know, and they're sitting there and they're listening to what it is that we're saying. And, and you can tell, man, they're sitting there and they're going, I don't believe this. Man, I cannot wait till this is over. She talked me into this, and I can't wait till I get gone. Well, what is that? It's hell. Convincing them that what somebody is communicating to them isn't true. I don't need this crutch. I don't need religion. We're not talking about religion. We're talking about the kingdom of God and a relationship with the king. So notice again, it says in 15, Satan comes immediately to take away the word that's sown in their heart. In Luke's uh, rendition of this, it says, these are they by the wayside, they that, they that hear, now listen, then cometh the devil and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. And that's the human reasoning that he uses. You don't need God. You know, God's not going to fix anything. Look at everything that's going on in the world. If God, you know, if God is this or that or the other, then look at all this. So in other words, any way that he can try to keep that person from coming to a place of believing, he will do it. He's a liar. Okay? So that's the first type of seed. Verse 16. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they've heard the word, immediately they receive it with gladness. But they have no root in themselves, so they endure for a time. And afterwards, when they receive the word, afterwards, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately, the King James says, they are offended or they stumble. Now, I want to read it to you again out of Luke chapter 8, where it says this. Um, <clears throat> it says... Um, uh, those, by the way, they that are on the rocks, which is the same thing, are they which when they hear, they receive the word with joy. And these have no root, which for a while believe. That's what Luke said, which for a while they believe. 
But then it goes on to say, and in the time of temptation, they throw it in the wind and follow the temptation. Are you with me? Well, thank God we're not doing that. I mean, you didn't do that or you wouldn't be here tonight. Okay? So now let's let's go down and uh, let's look at verse 18. This is in Mark chapter 4, verse 18. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the deception that riches can bring, and the lusts of other things being, you know, excessive pursuits. It's not just, you know, a lot of times people think of lust, they think of sexual sin, things like that. It's a strong desire of any kind that draws you away, okay? So it's talking about the lust of other things, entering in, choke the word, and it, the word, becomes what? Unfruitful. But then again, it goes on then to say, and these are they which are sown on good ground, which is again, hear the word, receive the word. Huh? Hear the word, receive the word, and start doing it. Bring forth fruit, some 30, 60, and 100 fold. Aren't you glad you're part of that group? I said, aren't you glad you're part of that group? Huh? You know, so he uses these parables. You know, he talked about the parable of the talents, parable of the virgins, you know, the parable of the householder who hired men to work for him, the parable of the two sons, the parable of the householder who returned to receive the fruit of his vineyard, you know, all these different kinds of things. What's he doing? He's using an earthly illustration to show you and I a kingdom function, how it operates, what happens, you know, he gave people talents, and people went out, and God's intention is, is when he gifts you, when he talents, you know, he gives you things, he wants you to use them for his glory. Right. Are you listening to me? Amen. You know, so whatever the assignment is, we just want to get after it. Can you say amen? Now, let's just back up for a few minutes, because we're coming to the close of our hour here. But notice with me again in verse 19, because this is where I kind of want to land anyway. I said all that so I could say this. Hallelujah. Notice in verse 19, and the cares of this world enter in and do what? Choke the word. Huh? And then it doesn't bring, any, it doesn't bring forth any fruit. Now, you wouldn't really think that cares of this world could do that, but they sure enough can do this. Are you listening to me? Huh? You know, because of the present distress, I guess we could say, things that are going on in the world in which you and I live, we have to learn to guard our hearts huh? with all diligence against the cares of this life, the cares of this world, okay? Every day, if you turn on the TV, there's something else as far as the, the moorings, the, 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 the foundations of godliness within our country are being kicked out from underneath us every day. And, and, and if that's all you think about and you start dwelling on it, I, you, guess what? You can get angry. I might be preaching this for me more than you. Huh? You know? It's insane. But you know, that's, that's the way the devil is. Hell is crazy. And so you see all of these things going on. But thank God, I said, thank God, we don't have to concern ourselves with it. Now, that might be easier said than done, but listen to me, my friends. You know, people say, yeah, yeah, right. We don't have to worry about it because, you know, inflation's just tearing up my, my checking account and my bank account and my budget and everything else that goes along with it. I get it. I understand that because hell is out to kill, steal, and destroy. Are you listening to me? But he said, hey, I came so that you can have life and life more. You keep your eyes on me and I'll take care of you. Huh? Don't look at that. Look at me. Huh? The old Peter walking on the water deal. Okay? But, but, I, but I'll tell you this. You have to, there has to be a concerted effort on your part to do that. Huh? You have to. We don't have time to go into it, but you can go read it if you like in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Jesus said, therefore, take no thought, saying, what are we going to eat, drink, and wherewithal shall we be clothed? He said, for after all these things did the Gentiles or the unbelievers seek. 
But seek ye first, seek ye first, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be, what's the next word? They'll be what? They'll be added unto you. Hallelujah. And that's a good word. Can you say amen? amen? The scripture tells us this in Proverbs 24, 19. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Got a few evildoers going on right now. Don't know if you knew that or not. But it says, do not fret. Fret not yourself because of evildoers or be envious of the wicked. For the evil man has no future. You know, all these clowns and everything that they're doing, a recompense is coming. Are you listening to me? You say, yes, but it's impacting me. It's affecting me. I understand that. But I'm telling you, God is able to redeem if you keep yourself in a place of faith and your eyes on him. Huh? So it goes on. It says that the evil man has no future and the lamp of the wicked will be put out. So as much as people think, well, you know, I'm getting away with this and that and the other, dude, they ain't getting away with nothing. All they're doing is piling it up. Definition of fret. You ready for this? To glow or grow warm. Any of you ever got mad? Ever got angry? Listen to Fox News and you want to kill somebody? No, I know you don't do that. All right? To glow. I, I think this is humorous because I get this. Or grow warm. To blaze up of anger, zeal, jealousy, burn, be displeased, grieve, wax hot. Be incensed. Be very wroth. Am I in the right house? I think so. So, so, so he says, fret, not, don't do that. Okay? Do not fret because of evildoers. Because before long, they won't even be. Their day is coming. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll close with this verse with me real quick. We got three minutes. Turn to Psalm 37. This is a good, uh, this is a good, uh, what, what would I say? Um, a good prescription for all of us as believers. Psalm 37, verse 1. Again, it uses that word. Don't start glowing, Okay. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious because of the workers of iniquity. Listen, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as a green herb. Are you with me? All this nonsense is going on, dude. There, there's, there's a recompense coming. And God said, vengeance is mine and I'll take care of it. Huh? Verse Verse 3. What's that word? What is it? You might want to underline that or put that in a highlight. Trust in the Lord and do good. Keep on doing good. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you'll reap if you don't faint. So shall you dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. And truly you will be fed. Thank you, Lord. What's the next word? Delight. Might want to underline that or put that, use a highlighter on it. So we're going to trust in the Lord, and then we're going to delight ourselves also in the Lord, and He will give us the desires of our heart. What's the next word? What is it? Commit. Commit. Underline that word or highlight that word. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He will bring it to pass. And He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. What's the next word? Rest. What is it? Rest. Rest. Underline that word or maybe highlight it. Rest in the Lord 
and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospers in his way. There's so many people getting rich over all of this uh, immoral, corrupt, whatever it is that you want to call it. I mean, they, you know, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable in many senses. But notice what he says. He says, rest in the Lord, wait for him. Fret not yourself because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass. Now, what's the next word? Cease, Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Again, fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Because I can tell you right now, it only causes you harm. It says for, now listen, this is a good word right here. Verse 9, for evil <clears throat> doers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they're going to inherit the earth. For yet a little while and the wicked shall not be. Yes, thou shalt diligently consider his place and it shall not be. But the meek will inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you so much for your living word, and we trust in you tonight, Lord. We commit our ways unto you. We delight ourselves in you because we know, Father, that you'll give us the desires of our heart. We rest in you, Lord, because, praise God, we're going to wait patiently for your response to all of this, and we're not allowing ourselves to be angry. We're not going to get ourselves in the middle of all of this, but we're going to keep our eyes on you and do what it is you've asked us to do, Father. And with that, we're going to inherit the blessing of God, the goodness of God, and the grace of God. And we will see your blessing in the land of the living, Father. So we thank you tonight that we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be uh, fearful. We don't have to be uh, full of care or worry or anxiety. But God, we just look to you. We trust you. We thank you, Father God, for meeting our every need. Thank you for your abundant supply, Father. If you got to bring water out of a rock, Father, I just thank you because I know you can do it. So we just rejoice in you, Father. We're just going to keep our eyes on you. We're going to trust you tonight, Father. We just put away from our, ourselves any anxiety or worry or fear or anything of that nature that would somehow or another try to creep into our lives. And God, I just thank you for your blessing in the house. Whether it be those that are present here or watching online, Father, we take your word. Say this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I receive your word to my heart tonight. And thank you, Lord for your great provision to meet my every need and my every care. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing in my life, coming in and going out. Thank you, Lord, for making me the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing in my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Praise God. Isn't he good? Yes. Glory to God. We can trust in him.